more. One of the most destructive enemies of our faith is bitterness. But you may be surprised at what actually lies at the root of that feeling. Today, we are going to examine the seeds we sow in our hearts that eventually grow into a root of bitterness. More on that in this week's episode of Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Wade Joy, and I'm really honored that you'd spend a few moments with me today. And I know you're incredibly busy, so I pray that this time will leave you encouraged and also give you some tools to help you overcome a struggle that all of us encounter more than we would like to in our lives, and that is the battle against bitterness. And I want to dive right in because I posted something on Instagram recently, and it seemed to resonate, so I wanted to explore it more on the podcast And first of all, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'd love to invite you to do so. It's at Wade Joy, W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E. And I'd just love for you to be a part of the conversation over there. But this particular post was reflecting on Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15. And the writer of Hebrews uh, wrote this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And here's what I wrote. Nothing blinds you to the goodness of God like bitterness. Do whatever it takes to uproot it because it doesn't just affect you. It's like a weed that overtakes everything around it. Bitterness not only chokes out your joy, peace, and gratitude, but it can rob others of their own by taking root in their heart too. For a bitter heart leads to a bitter life, which results in broken relationships and a barren soul. So don't be the root system that defiles many. Heed the call of the author of Hebrews to make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. So I think this resonated because bitterness is one of the greatest barriers we encounter in our path of discipleship and following Jesus uh, because it blinds us to the goodness of God. Bitterness blinds us from dreaming because we always expect disappointment or the worst case scenario. And it blinds us from realizing the reality of the dreams that we're already living in. And so I think that ultimately bitterness is one of the chief tactics of the enemy to cause us to stop moving forward into all that God has for us. And I know it's not a fun issue to talk about. And I also know it's not a simple one. It's complex and nuanced, and there's no way I can cover all the different reasons that have caused your bitterness uh, today. But I do believe it's a fundamentally spiritual issue that impacts every other area of your life. And while there are other facets of healing that often must take place on an emotional level, a mental health level, and relational level, uh, there is that underlying spiritual component, which is what we're going to explore here. So first of all, let's start at the basics. How do you know if you're bitter? Well, I don't think I have to explain it, but we experience bitterness as unresolved, over-rehearsed anger and resentment. You all know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You you rehearse a scenario or something that was said or something that you didn't get that you thought you deserved, and it causes resentment. And there's always it's always open-ended. It's never resolved. And so it becomes all you can think about, all you can focus on, and it consumes your thoughts and your emotions. But at its core, bitterness really 
is a belief issue. It's not just an emotional issue. So how's that the case? Let's go back to that verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 15. It's the second half of the passage we read. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So I think it's helpful to know that the author of Hebrews is actually referencing back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 16 through 19. And Deuteronomy, uh, the, the whole book is basically this long speech from Moses as the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land. And so this is what Moses is saying to the people. It says, you yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath and they invoke a blessing on themselves thinking, I will be safe, even though I persist in going my own way, they will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. Now, just to make sure you didn't miss it there in verse 18, uh, Moses says, make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. So he's ultimately telling the people in Deuteronomy that when our hearts turn away from the Lord, when they trust in our own way, when they worship other gods, when they pursue idols, that that is when a root is produced in us and among us that produces bitter poison and it affects everything around us. It's a root of bitterness. So as we extrapolate that into our own lives and look at Hebrews and what the author is telling us there, I believe bitterness at its core is due to a diminishing trust in God and an inflated view of our own righteousness apart from Christ. Let me say that again. It's a two-part definition. I believe bitterness at its core is due to a diminishing trust in God and an inflated view of our own righteousness apart from Christ. It's lowering our trust in God's sovereignty or how he conducts the affairs of our lives, and it's an inaccurate view of our own selves and our own standing before God and what we think we deserve. And so here's a big statement, but I believe it's to be true, that all bitterness towards someone else is really a result of a lack of belief and trust in God. And you can't fix the relational component or the emotional trauma without first addressing the lies that you're believing about God. Because once again, bitterness at its core is due to a diminishing trust in God and an inflated view of our own righteousness apart from Christ. So number one, it's a diminishing trust in God. What do I mean by that? Uh, Well, ultimately, we don't trust that God sees us or cares for us when we're hurting, when we're bitter, when we think we got a raw deal or, or something happened to us that should never have happened to us. We don't think that God sees us or cares for us. Uh, we don't trust that God will make things right when we're hurt. Uh, we don't trust that God's love for us uh, is, is present. And we ultimately don't trust that He sees every detail of our lives. And sometimes there's a lot of stuff that's happened to you, a lot of evidence around you that makes it really hard to see the presence of God there. Um, but we begin to focus so much on that that our focus turns away from the Lord and our trust in Him starts to diminish and lower and lower. And we begin to believe the lies that He doesn't see us or care for us. So that's the first part of that definition. The second part was, it's an inflated view of our own righteousness apart from Christ. So let me say this. 
Two of the most dangerous words for our soul and our contentment are these, I deserve. I deserve are dangerous words because they lead you down a dangerous road in your heart uh, because they start to build a case of why we are more worthy of a blessing than someone else. Or while, you know, words like this, it's my turn, or I did everything right, so it's only fair that I get this opportunity. It causes us to think more highly of our own opinion, uh, more highly of our own qualifications than someone else. And when we do that, we're letting the seeds of pride take root in our heart. We begin to live with a sense of entitlement, thinking we are owed something by God and by others. And this is a fundamental misunderstanding of the gospel. We ignore the gift of life and salvation in each breath, which God has lavishly poured out among us. He is lavishly giving us, given us his righteousness. We did nothing to earn righteousness. We can never live up to that standard. We did nothing to earn the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God, but he freely gave it to us. Yet I deserve makes it think or makes us think that that gift is not enough, that we deserve something more, something extra beyond what God has already done for us. And so uh, it's basically the original sin. It's going back to the garden. It's um, determining that we want to decide the difference between good and bad. We think God is withholding something from us that we deserve. We think God is withholding a good gift. And so what will set this off in our spirit oftentimes is when someone else gets something we want or think we're owed. It could be a job. It could be a house. It could be a platform uh, like social media or ministry reach. It could be a friendship. It could be the fact that they are healthy and got healed when you prayed and didn't. But when entitlement sets in and we think we deserve something uh, more than someone else, we begin to take our eyes off the good gifts that God has already given us. And no matter what we've gone through, there is always the gift of God's love and His grace and His forgiveness and of the breath that you are taking right now. So the first step to uprooting bitterness is to know how it forms and to stop a seed from ever becoming a root. So what triggers this crisis of belief, this crisis of trust and perspective that we call bitterness? What is um, what ultimately causes a seed to grow into a root? Well, if we look at that statement about a diminishing trust in God and an inflated view of our own righteousness apart from Christ, the seed really is unaddressed pain and unacknowledged pride. The seed is unaddressed pain and unacknowledged pride. And so we talked about the unacknowledged pride earlier with the danger in I deserve. So let's kind of move past that for a second and let's unpack unaddressed pain for a moment here. Let me say this and let me make this very clear. It is right to be angry at sin. It is right to be angry at injustice. It is right to, um, to be angry when someone else or when you yourself have been abused and mistreated. It is... Um, it is healthy and normal to grieve, um, and so you should never diminish those feelings. Bitterness comes, though, when we don't address that pain and therefore don't heal from that pain. And I know that healing isn't just forgiveness. It involves much more than that oftentimes. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of counseling that needs to uh, take place for you to be healed and boundary setting and many other aspects to healing. But at its core, forgiveness has to be the foundation of any healing that takes place. 
And there's some things that might have happened to you that I could never comprehend. And I don't want you to hear me say, just forgive and forget. You may never be able to forget. Um, But healing comes when you address your pain in a healthy way. And there is healthy and unhealthy ways to address pain. There may be some intense work that you walk through with trusted counselors and friends, and it will take time. And you'll need a pastor to walk you through this. I cannot pastor you through a podcast. I can help give you some principles from God's Word and some principles um, uh, that, that help you make wise choices. But you need a pastor in your life to help you look at God's Word and hold your life up against that so you can make wise decisions about your healing and how to forgive. But know this, as a Christian, you are called to forgive as Christ forgave you. And that is a forgiveness that makes no sense to the world, and it's only possible through the power of God's Spirit. But you will never overcome bitterness and its effects if you refuse to forgive. So we have to address pain, because when pain is left unaddressed, it becomes a root of bitterness. Once again, pain in and of itself should never be ignored. It should never be minimized. It should never be um, swept under the rug. It needs to be dealt with in a healthy way, uh, in a way that your pastors and counselors and friends and your Christian community walk you through. But the point is you have to address it because when it is left to fester, it becomes bitterness. So we talked about unaddressed pain, unacknowledged pride. So now that we know what the seeds are, how do they become roots? Well, before we get to that, let me just change gears a bit uh, and lighten the mood for a second. And I promise this is all going to tie in. I was a history major in college. And as I studied history, and even now as I learn, I'm fascinated with the things that we believe are actual historical facts that are completely inaccurate. And I'm not talking about revisionist history either. I'm talking about common facts that have morphed into um, incorrect beliefs, um, just common lore. So here's one that hits close to home for me as a man of smaller stature, you could say. Um, If you've never met me in person, I am uh, below average when it comes uh, to my height. But here's uh, here's an interesting thing that most of us would assume is true. When you think of Napoleon... What size man do you picture? All right, most of you think a tiny man, short man. Why do you think that? Well, there's something called the Napoleon complex, uh, our short man syndrome, where, you know, there's this short men. I'm not saying I do this, but maybe I have at times. um, Try to, you know, overcompensate in their personality to make up for their lack of height. Uh, Maybe you watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure growing up like I did, and Napoleon was very short in that movie. Um, That movie was a a staple in my childhood. But everyone, just when I think about it growing up, I've always been told Napoleon was short. It's been repeated over and over and over again. Well, I have come to find out, and maybe you know this already, but I didn't, that Napoleon wasn't really that short for his time period after all. Yes, Napoleon stood at five feet, two inches, but that was in the pre-French Revolution units. That's about five foot, six inches in in U.S. measurements. Uh, That's taller than the average male height in France at the time of five feet, five. 
So Napoleon was called Le Petit Corporal. I probably did not say that right. If anybody's listening in France, I apologize. But it stood for the Little Corporal. And Napoleon may have actually earned that name. Uh, It's thought now affectionately. It wasn't meant to describe his height. But as a culture, we believe that Napoleon is short because it's been repeated over and over and over again. So what in the world does Napoleon's height have to do with bitterness? Well, hang with me and I'll, we'll get there, I promise. But there's a scientific principle called uh, the uh, illusory truth effect. It's also known as the reiteration effect. And it's this tendency to believe false information to be correct after repeated exposure. So when something is repeated over and over and over again, our brain tends to automatically assume that that is true. Um, so it's the uh, illusory truth effect, but it's the, also called the reiteration effect. So now I want us to see how this reiteration effect doesn't just make all of us think that Napoleon is short because we've heard it a lot, but it can turn a seed of bitterness into a root of bitterness. So how does this happen? Well, Proverbs 17.9 gives us a clue. Uh, Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So I I got this from an article I read by Blake uh, Glosson that was really helpful. I'll link it in the show notes. But, you know, bitterness comes from repetition. It comes from repeating a matter. We see here that that repeating a matter separates close friends. Well, what does bitterness cause us to do? It causes us to separate. We distance ourselves in our relationship with God, thinking that He doesn't care for us. We withdraw from others. And often we create a pattern of relational damage that destroys friendships because of that isolation. And look again at Hebrews 12, 15, where it says the result of bitterness. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I see it causes trouble. It defiles. And what causes this is repeating a matter. And I believe this gives us a clue of what allows a root of bitterness to grow in our hearts, what allows a seed of bitterness to grow into a root of bitterness. And I think it happens in three ways, three repetitions. Uh, We repeat the matter to ourselves. We repeat the matter to the person who hurt us. And we repeat the matter to someone else. Let me say those again. We repeat the matter to ourselves. That's when we replay and rehearse it in our thoughts and worries and worst case scenarios. So we're repeating uh, all of that uh, in our inner dialogue. And then we repeat the matter to the person who hurt us. So we're throwing it in their face and continually trying to make them pay in some way for the hurt that they caused. And then we repeat the matter to other people. We vent, we gossip, we call it a prayer request. We just try to disparage their character. And all of that just reinforces the lies that we're believing that God doesn't care for us, that God doesn't see us, that we deserve more um, without realizing that we've sinned against other people, that we have probably caused um, as much pain to other people in many cases as they've caused to us. I know that's, that's not the case in everyone's situation, but all of us are sinners. And so we need forgiveness in the same way that we need to offer forgiveness And once again, this admonition to stop repeating the matter doesn't mean you don't confront the matter. You do confront it. You have to address the pain. You have to confront dysfunction, but you have to do it in the right way and repeat it in the right way to the right people. 
So repeating the matter means you replay the offense in your mind and to others to justify your own righteousness at someone else's expense. So to overcome that, we have to choose to repeat something better. We have to choose to repeat something better because there's a power in a holy repetition. It's why prayer and the study of God's word and meditation on scripture and worship is so vital because we are repeating truth about God and anchoring it deep into our hearts and our spirits. You're anchoring your heart in what is actually true. So I want to give you a better rhythm of repetition to help you battle the bitterness trying to take root in your heart. So these are going to be five different rhythms of repetition that you can have to help you overcome bitterness and to help ensure that a seed doesn't become a root of bitterness. And here's the first one. Choose to repeat the matter to God. Choose to repeat the matter to God. And first of all, there's a difference in repeating the matter to yourself and to God. When you repeat it to yourself and you just stew on a thought and worry and you go on that vicious cycle, you're just trying to build a case for why you're right and someone else is wrong, or you're building a case for why God doesn't see you and he doesn't care for you. Repeating it to God is surrendering control and trusting it to his care. It's saying, God, I don't understand but I trust you and I'm going to lay it at your feet. Read the Psalms. That is a lot of David bringing a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration and a lot of pain to God and saying, God, I need you to sort this out. And so it's choosing to believe that God cares. A lot of times my prayers look like this, God, I feel this way, but I know you are this other way. So I might say, God, I feel like you've forgotten me. But then I'll say, but I know uh, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me. I know that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You know the, the number of the hairs on my head. And so you're repeating the matter to God. You're trusting things to his care. You're not just trying to build a case for yourself. Number two, choose to repeat the truth of the gospel to yourself. Choose to repeat the truth of the gospel to yourself. So repeat the truth of God's love for you. Repeat how much God's heart breaks for your pain. You're holding on to these promises when you do that. Repeat the fact that God promises to avenge in his way and his time uh, and repeat the truth of how much you have already been forgiven because of Christ, that Christ took all the punishment for our sins and that God then blesses those of us who extend that same forgiveness to others. Repeat the truth of the gospel that we are not righteous apart from Christ, but in Christ we are clothed with his righteousness and we are filled with the power of his spirit to act in ways that we couldn't act on our own. We can actually forgive. And that leads to the third uh, rhythm of repetition, and that is choose to repeat forgiveness. Choose to repeat forgiveness. Commit to forgive over and over and over again when anger and resentment well up. Uh, commit uh, to forgive 70 times seven times, as Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says. It says, then Peter came uh, to, to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So Jesus said, that was an expression to, to mean forgive as often as you need to forgive. There's no limit to forgiveness. So choose to repeat forgiveness. Your emotions are going to be all over the place but choose in your heart and your mind that I'm going to forgive this person and not make them pay for what they did to me. Now, I might need to change some patterns and I might need to address some things and set up some boundaries, but
but I am going to forgive them. And that leads to the fourth rhythm of repetition. Choose to repeat healthy boundaries and patterns in your life. Choose to repeat healthy patterns and boundaries in your life. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't mean everyone has the same access to your life anymore. When someone has hurt you uh, bad enough or on a repeated basis, uh, there might need to be some healthy separation. So hold firm to those boundaries in your life. A boundary is only as good as how well you enforce it. So a boundary with exceptions is not a boundary. It's just a door. You're letting people in and out. So set up a boundary where you need to do that. Once again, seek pastoral help. Seek uh, wise and godly counsel. I seek professional um, counseling. But choose to repeat healthy boundaries and patterns in your life that will help you heal. And then finally, choose to repeat what is honoring and kind. Choose to repeat what is honoring and kind. Speak well of the person or situation if you can, or say nothing at all. Uh, This is both in word and deed. So repeat words of kindness and repeat acts of kindness where you can. Give the seed of bitterness nowhere to grow because you're cultivating the seeds and the fruit of the Spirit. Where you can do good for someone who's hurt you, do that. When you can say something kind, do that. Or sometimes you can't say anything at all, and that is and that is equally uh, as justified in certain situations. But don't feed bitterness through negativity and through th- saying things that disparage someone else and that feed the bitterness of your heart. So choose to repeat what is honoring and kind. And, you know, repeat what is true. Sometimes there are situations that need to be addressed and brought into the light. And so you'll need to be truthful. You'll need to confront some hard issues. You confront what you care about. But where at all possible, repeat what is honoring and kind. Let me just recap those five uh, rhythms of repetitions. Uh, Choose to repeat the matter to God. Choose to repeat the truth of the gospel to yourself. Choose to repeat forgiveness. Choose to repeat healthy boundaries and patterns in your life. And choose to repeat what is honoring and kind. I think if we can repeat uh, those kind of truths, that will do a world of good to make sure the seeds of bitterness don't take root in our own heart and to reinforce the belief that God loves us, He sees us, uh, He's superintending our lives according to His goodness, and and we don't have to prove our righteousness because we're righteous in Christ. Every day, every breath uh, is a gift of God's grace, and we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. And so I want to just leave you uh, with this passage from Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32, because I think it'll give us a good call to action as you go into your week. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So I'm going to pray this week that the Lord will give you the grace to forgive, the grace to love, and the grace um, to, to move away from bitterness and to release bitterness and step into the love and the grace and the healing that Jesus offers. So thanks for being with me today on the podcast. I pray it's been helpful for you. I pray it encouraged you. And I want you to, and I want to invite you to share the podcast. If you think this can help someone else, uh, you can do that by 
just texting them the link right now. You could post it on social media. Uh, and I'd also love for you to subscribe to the podcast uh, just so you can get the episodes every week because I really love being on this journey with you. And so I also invite you, one of the ways that you can help cultivate your heart uh, in a healthy way to make sure you're sowing the right seeds into it is just by healthy rhythms overall in your life. So you can also get my free ebook, Seven Ways to Renew the Health of Your Soul at wayjoy.com or there's a link to it in the show notes. All right, I'll see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples. Mm-hmm.